the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. American prosperity is the bedrock of freedom and security all over the world. An obligation to the heritage of liberty and dignity handed down to us by our forefathers. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome to the Pro-America Report. This is Ryan Height, guest hosting today for Mr. Ed Martin, while partially guest hosting. We've got a couple of great interviews ahead that Ed was able to lock in and pre-record for us. Um, Actually, it is, uh, I'm going to be honest, it's one interview, so you're going to want to stick around for it. One giant interview with J. Michael Waller. Very, very interesting one that I think we're going to all benefit from. He's the senior analyst for the strategy, uh, or excuse me, the senior analyst for strategy at the Center for Security Policy. Um, he's got a new book, Big Intel, How the CIA and FBI Went from Cold War Heroes to Deep State Villains. It is fascinating. Knew there was no way it would be able to work in one segment. So we got that lined up for two, and, and actually uh, he's going to be on twice here today. So you're going to want to stick around for that. And of course, we will come back around to the wrap-up. Got a couple of interesting things to talk about. Uh, but uh, before we get to that... We will dive into the wink, what you need to know. And before we get to that, let me remind you to go over to ProAmericaReport.com proamericareport.com. There you will find Ed's Substack, what he is writing on, a lot of good long-form things, and of course, go to phyllisschlafly.com where you will find the archives of this program. All of the podcast files, the standalone guests and segments and all the notes and links and resources and everything else, and of course, that is where you can sign up for the daily Wink email, the one that'll hit your inbox 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and all the other time zones corresponding. You will get a few links, which you need to know for the day, and a couple of other little goodies. I guarantee it'll be a good addition to your morning routine. Appreciate all of you who are already on that list. Glad that you are signed up and getting the wink every single weekday. But if not, you get it now. And that's what we're going to dive into and talk about. There is something uh, big brewing. Actually, there's a couple of big things brewing, and I'm glad to be able to come and talk about them today. Uh, What is happening, though, and what we're focusing on is a new, very interesting constitutional challenge. Now, of course, last week we talked about Texas quite a bit. Uh, That's being... Um, set up as a constitutional challenge between the state of Texas and the federal government over the border crisis there. Of course, it is a constitutional issue. The federal government 
has abandoned its job. They are not enforcing border laws. They are not. The Biden administration is not doing its due diligence, not uh, fulfilling its responsibility to protect our national borders, to protect our sovereignty. So Texas stood up and said, all right, we're going to stand up for ourselves. We will defend ourselves. We will defend the Texas citizenry uh, since the federal government's not going to. So they've been doing that for several months now, and this has come to a head. Uh, But another state has decided to take upon itself to say that the federal government is wrong (laughs) or not doing its job. But this one's a little bit of a different story. So uh, let's let's dive into it here. Hawaii, in case you haven't seen it, Hawaii, the Supreme Court of Hawaii has ruled uh, that a man can be prosecuted for carrying a gun in public without a permit in the state. This is overturning a lower court ruling that would have concluded uh, that his uh, rights had been violated under the Second Amendment. Now, here's here's what happened. Let me back up and give you a little bit of background. Um, Christopher Wilson was charged with keeping a firearm in an improper place and keeping ammunition in an improper place uh, after he was arrested on December 7, 2017. So this has been a few years in brewing. Uh, He was found in possession of a handgun. It was loaded with a 10-round magazine, uh, which I think is all according to Hawaii um, restrictions. But he insisted he was carrying this for self-defense, but he did not have the permit required by state law. So this has been going on for some time, but Wilson's legal team has recently moved to dismiss the charges, arguing that they violate. Remember, he was arrested in 2017, but now his legal team has argued that this violates the charges against him, violate the Second Amendment in context now of the 2022 Supreme Court ruling of the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. Now, the Bruin decision went a lot farther. We talk in the um, in the constitutional world, especially in the Second Amendment world, we talk a lot about D.C. v. Heller, that the Heller case uh, is regarding the state of, uh, or I should say, the District of Columbia and handguns, that was a big landmark one. That did set down a very big, it, it carved out a very big space, the Supreme Court did at that point, to say that you may use common use weapons, that you do have the, the individual right of self-defense. That is what that applies to. It's not this collective right. It's an individual right. So that has been established already. Bruin, however, went quite a bit further. Bruin actually talked about how um, gun legislation must take into account historical context and all sorts of things, and it really set a higher standard. It presumes that the Second Amendment, the plain text of the Second Amendment, um, is as it is. It covers the individual's conduct. So uh, it's really good. In fact, that's that's actually a phrase that came down in the Bruin decision that I, I think that, let me see, I had this pulled up. Um, the Supreme Court said in the 2022 Bruin, yeah, there it is, that uh, we hold, and, and here, well, by the way, let me let me say these two things. In Heller, which I just mentioned, one of the quips that came out of that in the, in the uh, majority opinion, there seems to us no doubt on the basis of both text and history that the Second Amendment conferred an individual right to keep and bear arms. Now, in Bruin, it went even further. In fact, the Supreme Court ruled that the Second and Fourteenth Amendments protect an individual's right to carry a handgun for self-defense outside the home, and then they went further. They said, we also, uh, we hold that when the Second Amendment 
its plain text covers an individual's conduct, the Constitution presumptively protects that conduct. To justify its regulation, referring to gun regulations from the government, uh, the government, continuing the quote from Bruin, may not simply posit that the regulation promotes an important interest. Rather, the government must demonstrate that the regulation is consistent with this nation's historical tradition of firearm regulation. Only if a firearm regulation is consistent with this nation's historical tradition may a court conclude that the individual's conduct falls outside the Second Amendment's unqualified command. So, Bruin, pardon me, by the way, I've got a little tickle in my throat. Bruin went much farther than Heller. Bruin, definitely, the Bruin decision from the Supreme Court of the United States set up a very, very good and clear test that really challenges some of what we would call burdensome and unconstitutional gun regulations at the state level. And Hawaii is certainly one of the hallmarks of of those blue states with huge gun regulations. So here's what has gone on. The Hawaii Supreme Court has reversed this lower court decision that found these charges against Christopher Wilson for carrying a gun without a permit. They reversed the lower court decision that said arresting and charging him violated his rights. Instead, the Supreme Court of Hawaii has ruled that its state constitution provides no gun rights protections whatsoever. None. Essentially, the state of Hawaii, their Supreme Court has said, nah, no Second Amendment here. That one doesn't count. This is a huge deal. Now, make no mistake, the short version of what I think is going on here is, and and likely, this will be challenged. This will go probably up to the Supreme Court of the United States, and I imagine it will be struck down, because on its face, it it just doesn't work. I mean, this this is incredible. That they've actually said this. So I imagine this is going to continue and this will be struck down, is, is my guess. However, that really depends. And this was a whole conversation we had, a mini plug for the Unauthorized Caucus live stream program on Thursdays. This is a whole conversation we had a little while ago, but that, does this depend on who the enforcement agent is? If the Supreme Court of the United States tells Hawaii, yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> so, so what? Hawaii says, make me? Well, if you know the Biden administration or the Harris administration or someone like that gets reelected this year, you know, heaven forbid, well, who's going to make him? Because they're certainly going to be on Hawaii's side politically when it comes to this stuff. So this is very interesting. But that's yeah, this is very it's it's kind of shocking. And this is the the case uh, Hawaii v. Wilson. In fact, from the from the opinion here in Hawaii v. Wilson, the Hawaiian Supreme Court says Article One, Section Seventeen of the Hawaii Constitution mirrors the Second Amendment to the United States Constitution. We read those words differently than the current United States Supreme Court. We hold that in Hawaii, there is no state constitutional right to carry a firearm in public. That is shocking, and it is antithetical to everything encompassed in our Second Amendment, in our fundamental right to self-defense, particularly with a firearm that this is referring to, that we have and have always had here in the United States of America. This is incredible. Now, as much as I expect this to get shot down, uh, pun, no pun intended. That's that's just you know, go my choice of words. But as much as I expect this to get overturned, this is incredibly shocking. That's what you, I mean. This is what you need to know that the, the the state of Hawaii has challenged the Constitution itself. I probably should have run with that exact phrasing up front. But I mean, that's that is the what you need to know. The state of Hawaii has challenged the Constitution itself. We are no longer in an era of um, of of subtlety. 
when it comes to opposing the Constitution. Now, you and I could argue it has we, we've the left has long thrown subtlety to the wayside. But this is this is a whole new thing. We, we read those words differently than the current U.S. Supreme Court. There is no state constitutional right to carry a firearm in public in the state of Hawaii. Wow. Absolutely wow. That's what you need to know today. We're going to keep following this. And I've actually got another thing we want to talk about at the wrap-up, but that's why you should come on back. Um, don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com. Go to PhyllisSchlafly.com. Pick up all the goodies there. Come on back here after the break to the ProAmerica Report. we got a great guest on the other side. You won't want to miss it. Thank you for being here today, and thank you for letting me guest host. We will see you back in just a moment here on the ProAmerica Report. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest, I've been looking forward to uh, this gentleman and and speaking with him for quite a while since I got his book. Uh, His name is uh, J. Michael Waller, Uh, Dr. J. Michael Waller. He's got a Ph.D. He's a senior analyst at the Center for uh, Security Policy. He's also the president of his own company, Georgetown Research, which is a political risk and private intelligence company. He was a CIA guy uh, for a number of years in Central America, also uh, dug deeply into the Soviet Soviet uh, Union, the Soviet Empire's breakup. Uh, he's taught all over the place. He's appeared on every um, news site I think you can think of and written in the Wall Street Journal everywhere in between. His new book is called Big Intel, How the CIA and FBI Went from Cold War Heroes to Deep State Villains. Uh, welcome, uh, J. Michael Waller. How are you, sir? Hey, doing great, Ed. Um, you know, before I get to a lot of the book, at the, I think it's at the end. I might not remember where. Yeah, I think it's at the end. You mentioned Thomas Baker and he wrote a book on the FBI. He's an FBI guy and he wrote a book on the FBI. And you I think in there you say, you know, we got to ask Baker. What he, How do you re- fix the FBI? Ask Baker. And, and you go into his book because it's a very good book. He's been very uh, uh, popularly received. But when you write this book, you do have a bunch of um ideas on solutions and things. What's your, what's your sense of the chances of real change? Well, there are two ways to have real change. First of all, rests with every citizen because so much of the FBI's power depends on county sheriffs. Right. And of course the sheriffs are elected law enforcement officers. So this is where the public can come in and make sure the sheriffs know their constitutional duties and powers. And then press them to make sure that they exercise them. So that's the biggest thing that can be done right now at the citizen level. And the FBI has usurped a lot of the power away from the sheriffs and then sort of bribed them with with all sorts of armored vehicles and taxes gear and all this other stuff that they don't need. But that's the first one. Second one is if we get a president in in the fall, like Donald Trump, with a real agenda that he didn't have last time and a real unified team, he can do a lot from the center because the FBI was created by a Justice Department memorandum. It was not right. created by an act of Congress. So a senator can can disband it or break it apart into pieces. Right. Uh, so a, a, a governor. I mean, a president. You you said a senator. A president could a president. Oh, I'm could, sorry. I'm, yeah. I'm on the Senate side of Capitol Hill right yeah, now. I'm, yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's OK. Um, 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 so, OK, uh, we're talking with J. Michael Waller and again, his book, A, a Big Intel. It's um, uh, almost three, uh, 250 pages. It's real deep into this. It's uh, it's called Big Intel, how the CIA and FBI went from Cold War heroes to deep state villains. Um, is it is the I'm reading the book. I'm not all the way through. But is it your. Uh, uh, overall assessment that it's mission creep 
or is it more diabolical than that? It's a combination. It's really mission creep where you have uh, well-meaning people who are just looking for more to do because they see more problems from where they are. But it's also a point of if you've solved the problem that you were created to combat. Right. And you don't spend all your money in a, in a given year, <laughs> then Congress will take away that money next year. So you look for more reasons to do more stuff. Right. Now mix that in with diabolical people who are going to be in there to influence it for their own purposes. And you get a real dangerous situation. Yeah. Uh, J. Michael Waller is our guest. Again, his book is Big Intel. Funny, uh, the detail of your book, um, not funny, laugh out loud, but I love these kinds of things. Uh, Fulton Sheen is quoted at the beginning and uh, Benjamin Franklin and uh, and and in sort of overlapping uh, ways, I suppose. Um, Fulton Sheen's quote is, it's a characteristic of any decaying civilization that the great masses of people are unconscious, unconscious, unconscious. Am I reading that right? Of, of the tragedy. That's the problem, isn't it, though, Michael? I mean, I know you're spending your time writing a book and going around telling people, uh, but a lot of people, because they, they either willingly they don't want to face it, they're busy or whatever, or they've been brainwashed by the media and big tech, they're just not conscious of, of what's happening. Sure. And then think about any average person who you, you know something's wrong with you and you know you might even have had a bad diagnosis and you know that you're in stage three or stage four, but you still can't get up to actually do something about it. Right. So, so it, it's the same thing at every every human every human level. But now it's our own society. It's um uh, it is uh, when you see a guy like Peter Strzok, you open the book, the introduction. You're talking about Peter Strzok, and I don't think I realized he was the FBI's chief of counterintelligence. I kind of pictured that he was a a line guy. Like I figured, I almost figured he, he was a, he was one of the top guys. He was the man in charge of hunting spies for the entire United States, and the only counterintelligence operation he ran was Operation. You know, was the operation against Donald Trump to make him look like a Russian tool. It was based on a lie. Right. How does that happen? I mean, how did he get to that spot? Did, I mean, did he well, did he go did he go south when he got there or was he a mess all along and the system didn't mind? Well, there are a lot of messed up people in FBI counterintelligence. Another one having been Robert Hansen. Who right. was a who was a conservative, by the way, a political conservative. But he but so you have you have this rot in the whole FBI spy hunting column. And it's been there for a very long time. So Strzok, for a guy like Strzok to, to rise to the top shows the terrible problem. But it also shows how since 9-11, the FBI's huge centralized management that was put in place uh, incentivized the worst people to brown nose their way to the top. Hmm. All right. Um, we're talking again uh, with uh, Michael Waller about his book, Big Intel. Um, Michael, uh, the CIA, I mentioned off the air that I had the great privilege of getting to know uh, uh, General Jack Singlob. Uh, Singlob uh, was a incredibly uh incredible man decorated in world war ii as a young uh 20 something year old who was in the oss the precursor to the cia and i remember asking him about how the deep state and what was going on and he sort of ruefully said you know things things uh went uh i forget he didn't say awry that's a little too uh it's a little too cliched he said things kind of went off off kilter and he said it wasn't uh designed that way i guess is how i'd say um the cia it, it, it sounds to me like by the time you're done this book, you think the FBI has got to be dramatically, dramatically changed. And a president just has to has to decide to do that and he can do it. What about the CIA? How do you how do you describe the change that has to happen there? The CIA has become I mean, first, 
it's easy to say we want to need to abolish the FBI and the CIA, but that's that's foolish because we need both services for our country, or we need what they do for right, for, right. Our, for our country. But we don't need an FBI per se, and we don't need a CIA per se. Just like the OSS after World War II, it was disbanded. Did right. a great job against the Nazis, but it it disbanded. So we need to split the CIA in two. Uh, we need to split it into one one organization that just does covert operations abroad and another organization that collects intelligence abroad and synthesizes it into into assessments that presidents can use to make decisions that's all it's needed for and then you it's so bloated and it's so full of of, of useless functions that just abolish those positions and get rid of those parts we don't need them uh michael waller again is our guest uh michael how does the secrecy of of after after 9-11 the fisa courts and and the the uh, willingness uh, for well the willingness, I suspect there was always, and no, I don't suspect, I, you read your book and others, there was always uh, secrecy. You know, J. Edgar Hoover feels like the the easy sort of nonchalant one. You could say, well, he was being secretive or whatever. But you, you, you look after 9-11, the, the country was willing to sort of endorse the secrecy. And so you had FISA courts developed and you had all the, and, it's, and that, how can you unravel that part of it? Because even for example, on the January 6th stuff, you hear over and over from the FBI, well, we're in an investigation. Even members of Congress will ask the FBI about something to do with January 6th. They'll say ongoing investigation. We're not telling you. And that secrecy between, you know, co-equal branches is, is, uh, is tolerated. And, and, and my point is that the, you, you know, you mentioned that the, the Fulton Sheen quote uh, that people are, you know, are, are don't understand. They're unconscious of the tragedy. Uh, people are willing because after 9-11, we sort of said, OK, you, you go ahead and be secret. We can live with that. And now we've never got it back. Never got it back. I mean, we need some secrecy, of course, to protect our intelligence sources and methods and protect the people who are risking their lives to help us and, and prevent the enemy from knowing what we're doing. But when 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 an FBI director refuses to tell congressional oversight committees <laughs> yeah these things and hides behind secrecy all, what he can really do is say this is classified let's go into executive exactly session, exactly in a classified session right and then or in a skiff because the senate has its own secure uh, compartmented uh, facility for for you know that's soundproof and everything else yep and he can say look i can brief you here right but he right. hasn't even offered that and the senators haven't even demanded it well, that's my point. Is that my though? My point is that it's a, at a certain point, it's a, it's just a, a they're all in it together. I, I, I we're, we're going to, we're, we're talking with uh, Michael Waller about his book. It's Regnery Publishing, uh, J. Michael Waller, a big intel how the CIA and FBI went from Cold War heroes to deep state villains. Let's take a break and uh, we'll come back and continue talking. Welcome back, Ed Martin. We're talking uh, again, J. Michael Waller. His book is Big Intel, How the CIA Went from Cold War Heroes to Deep State Villains. Um, were they this again in your book? You look at put the two together, FBI and CIA. Did they go bad at the same time? In other words, in your in your head, when you look at it now, can you say, hey, um, we see this sort of it's and then and then I want to ask why? I think I know the answer. Why aren't other aspects of government sort of rotten, too? And the answer is they probably are. 
Oh, they're all rotten. It's just that <laughs> we don't see the CIA and the FBI that much because they they hide behind that secrecy. And they also have cool brand names. Right. You know, they, they've built up these brands, but they're only brands. So right. so when, when the FBI brand becomes like Bud Light. Yeah. Maybe the brand isn't worth it anymore. But so so then you look behind it and think, well, you know, is it doing its job? And it is in some places. And there are good people and they're trying to do the right thing. And some of them are doing a fantastic job, but they have to keep their heads down because under the new FBI with its embrace of critical theory, if you don't go along with this cultural Marxist DEI uh, rainbow flag agenda, you will not be promoted. Right. And they're going to put some, some crazy person in your place. And they're recruiting like, like mad they're, they're recruiting the wokest of the woke in both the FBI and CIA. So it's not like, well, we need some people from these types of uh, demographics so that we can all do a better job and work within those elements of the population. No, no, they're becoming what they themselves call agents of change. Right, right. <laughs> this is illegal. They're not supposed to be pushing social change in our country, but they are. And they and they say this privately to their own personnel. This is detailed in big intel. But mm-hmm. so what we see in the in the military that has become so woke, what did we see in the education system? The yeah. same things happen in the FBI and the CIA. Uh, J. Michael Waller is our guest. Um, you're, you had this expertise in, in reading your biography on the Soviet Union and the Soviet, the collapse of the Soviet Union. And um, so I want to ask two things about that. One is, do you see, did you see in, in that uh, bureaucracy, obviously it was communist, but the bureaucracy, the collapse and do you see sort of parallels in how the government's tr- kind of cor- corruption, small C, I'm not, I'm not talking necessarily about the people taking money for uh, for doing something, although the, often they're taking uh, salaries and others. Um, are there some parallel lessons to learn there? And second, um, isn't the threat, isn't the big threat, the, the Soviet Chinese, it, it, when you talk about things that are really facing us, you know, they, they covered it like it was interesting that the number, the highest number of people coming through the border, the 60 minutes a couple nights ago on, on over last weekend, I think they covered Oh, the most interesting, hey, that's interesting. The number, you won't believe it. That people coming across the largest number are Chinese nationals. Like, oh, and you're like, how oh, interesting. What do they care about? I, I, so I guess I, I shouldn't do that to us. Two questions. But one is, do you see things that happened in the Soviet collapse that echo you know what you see here in terms of rot and terms of disconnection from mission and then second what about the chinese communists well there's a lot <laughs> well first <laughs> I first i don't want to make a comparison between the american system and the soviet system but just on a human level on a bureaucratic level the soviet system became so centralized with the bureaucracy existing to serve itself that it really it, it, it perpetuated itself on official lies. And as long as everyone subscribed to those lies and at least pretended to believe in those lies, like Winston Smith and Orwell's novel, 1984, you'd be okay as long as you believed those lies. But if you didn't actually believe them, then you'd end up like Winston did mm-hmm. uh, being forced to love big brother. And this is really what's happening. And this is what, what, uh, what Tom Baker wrote in his book, uh, the, the FBI man, yeah. Big brother is family now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's and right. As it was in the Soviet Union, so it is becoming here. And to have this veteran of the FBI like like Tom Baker, who started under J. Edgar Hoover and then served through his retirement and then was a contractor. So he's one of the only men alive with this continuum going all the way back to Hoover. He sees the whole perspective. But then you have these young FBI agents coming out as whistleblowers 
giving similar warnings that, that you have to believe that two plus two equals five. Now, imagine how gathering evidence matters anymore and due process matters anymore if the people doing it must believe that two plus two equals five. It's right. like believing that men can be women and women can be men and, and that there's, you know, no God and no sexuality and all of these other things that are, are, you know, yeah, truths. Right. And, and so, so the same with intelligence, if, if intelligence is two plus two equals five, think of the colossal errors that our leaders are going to be making. If they're basing, you know, sincere decisions on what they're told is good intelligence. So you had the same thing happen in the USSR to a more extreme degree where everyone was living a lie. And actually the only people who knew the truth was the KGB. Mm. Wow. Well, all right. How about how about uh, my my question on the the, the Chinese uh, and and the real threats we face? I mean, it feels to me when I'm reading your book, I'm thinking, yep, uh, these guys, CIA and FBI, they, they keep they, they keep telling us what we should focus on. And it's not what we should focus on, which is a problem. And to me, the, 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 the you know, we learned the lessons uh, we, we learned. I think some of the lessons from the Soviet collapse after the Soviet collapse, we were able to look into their archives and into ours and say, ha, look at these mistakes we're making infiltration, uh, you know, compromised intelligence, et cetera. It's happening on steroids with the Chinese. Absolutely. And in a very different way. So they've targeted Democrats and Republicans, liberals and conservatives. They've targeted everybody. Right. They've compromised people across the spectrum. And we, we don't have a system that's designed to check and balance against this. We don't have laws even to deal with this. We right. don't have the eyes and ears. We don't have the linguistic capabilities. If you look at where are the best places in the United States to teach the Chinese language, they're all accredited by the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah. Yeah. In America. Yeah. It's um, it's uh, yeah. I, I mean, I I can't. But I I really don't understand it. it. It makes me you know shake my head and think you know that 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 they're they've already compromised enough people that they've got us running in circles. Last uh, line of questions. Our guess is Michael uh, Waller and his book is a big intel from Regnery Publishing, available anywhere you get books. How um, how connected is big media and now big tech? to the intelligence it's one thing to hear that they influence you know that they complain and want x happening it's another thing that they sort of own the business <laughs> maybe literally or not how how real is that it's very real you had after 9-11 and the cia set up a venture capital fund to accelerate new inventions to go after terrorists new right. technologies it was a good idea at the time but with the second and third order effects was a marriage now between the intelligent, the very politicized intelligence community and big tech, big tech with its San Francisco values that they're now bringing into the intelligence community and all the intolerance that goes with it. So that's that's a danger on one side. And then you have, as you saw with the Elon Musk's revelation of the Twitter files, the FBI and other intelligence services literally telling social media companies to go in and censor these people. To, to blacklist these people, to turn them into what Orwell called unpersons, make yeah. so they don't exist electronically online. And then all the data that can be collected on all of us. So what you what we buy on Amazon, uh, so, so if you don't want to buy first, if you don't want to buy Big Intel on Amazon, you can always go to Costco. But I mean, they, you, you, they, whatever we buy online is, is being collected to profile all of us. 
And and everything that exists about us electronically is ag- can be aggregated and used even to predict our behavior. So 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 these dossiers that when we check yes when we approve of whatever user you know um, agreements that we, that we don't even read when we check yes right. we're consenting to being spied on. The central government is using this and they're supposedly using it to protect our country, but we we see that they're using it against law-abiding American citizens. And it's mainly people who think like you and I. All right, Michael Waller, I, I, I'm, I'm at the end of this, um, my rope. I'm not feeling encouraged. I mean, I, I, I guess I, the book is encouraging. So maybe I'm, I did this conversation wrong because I asked you all the hard questions that make me realize all the troubles. But I mean, it finishes with a lot of th- steps you can do. I, it, it, it feels like a lot of the eggs are in a, a, a Donald Trump basket. They are. They're, they're all in his basket, <laughs> with the exception of the sheriffs. And this is where yeah. every citizen, again, you talk to your sheriffs and the candidates for sheriff, make sure they're on the program, and then uh, it, it, don't let them off the hook once they're in and help those who really want help. Yeah. All right, Michael Waller, thank you. Big Intel is the book, How the CIA and FBI Went from Cold War Heroes to Deep State Villains. Excellent uh, marching through exactly what happened. And as I mentioned, that last chapter, uh, including reference to Thomas Baker, an awfully good guy, about how to do some things to make it better. Uh, Thank you for being out there, Michael, and I appreciate being on the program, and we'll talk again soon. And we will take a break, everybody, and be right back. That's uh, Michael Waller, and I'll put the links up on social media. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. The best test of an effective conservative is their ability to take incoming fire from the media and survive. It's important that we recognize some of the best conservative fighters in the game and acknowledge their hard work in defending freedom and conserving the true spirit of America over the past year. Standout Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton was targeted by the media and Republican power brokers like Karl Rove. Yet Paxton survived the ambush sham impeachment by his own Republican Party. Back in office after the impeachment, Paxton has resumed his valiant efforts to secure our southern border despite litigation by the Biden administration to keep illegals flooding into our country. Another true fighter is the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson of Louisiana, who shut off the funding for foreign wars for the remainder of 2023, despite intense pressure from the leaders of the U.S. Senate of both parties. Speaker Johnson set up a January showdown over continuing funding for the federal government while his leverage improves as Biden's declines. U.S. Marine veteran Harrison Floyd has accomplished the most among the 19 unfairly indicted Americans who were indicted by the politically motivated Fulton County prosecutor in Atlanta, Georgia. Floyd overcame his wrongful imprisonment as the only black defendant and has vigorously contested the charges by subpoenaing the Fulton County mail-in ballots with their envelopes and all of the information about its electronic voting tabulation from the 2020 election. 
In his U.S. Marine uniform, Floyd looked dapper when he appeared in court as the unhinged prosecutor Fannie Willis, seething with resentment against the black Trump supporter, improperly attempted to revoke his bail merely because Floyd spoke out on social media against the injustice done to him. While the deck remains stacked against him and all 19 defendants there, Floyd's tremendous effort stunted Willis's efforts against them and former President Donald Trump. These powerful conservatives should be shining examples to us all as we approach November's election. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. If you're busy taking notes, you can stop now because these commentaries in written form and spoken audio are archived on the website phyllisschlafly.com. Many recorded by Mrs. Schlafly herself. If you're doing research or missed a day, just go to phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and re-listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Hey, welcome back to the Pro-America Report. This is Ryan Height, still guest hosting here, coming in to wrap up the show for Mr. Ed Martin. Really grateful for that great interview right there. Really long and encompassing a couple of our segments today, but well worth the time. And uh, also glad to be here to talk about some important issues. We we covered one thing, and I'll go ahead. By, by the way, let me remind you, right up front, go to phyllislafley.com. That's where you'll find the podcast for today's episode and the standalone segment for the guest. You want to go get them? Go get them there. Share them with a friend. I think it's well worth the information. We had a really good wink, a very interesting topic that is currently big deal in the news. And then, of course, a really, really great guest there uh, today, and you will want to share those. So go there, sign up for the Wink email, go to ProAmericaReport.com, sign up, and, and you can subscribe to Ed's Substack, see what he is writing about in longer form. But we got another topic that I wanted to cover here today, and uh, it is also a very interesting one, a little farther away from home, but something that you may have seen snippets of on social media. I wanted to tie it all up in a bow and kind of explain just a little bit of what's going on, then I'll point you to a longer form discussion about this that I think is really interesting. Shameless self-promotion ahead. That's There's a spoiler alert. There is shameless self-promotion ahead for another program that you should check out in addition to the Pro-America Report. I promise they will go hand in glove together. It'll work great. Down in El Salvador, they re-elected their president this past Sunday. You may have seen something about this, and again, pardon me, we'll get this, we'll get this right. The president of El Salvador, Naib uh, Bukele, has been re-elected by a landslide victory. Now, let's be abundantly clear. He took home 80 plus percent of the vote. Not only that, his party actually took, what, all but two of their legislative body seats, I believe, 68 out of 70 or something. I I had all the numbers pulled up uh, a little bit earlier. I I should have uh, pulled this back and and had them right in front of me here, but it it was huge. Absolutely phenomenally huge. I mean, this is effectively, what did it, I believe one of his uh, comments that he made was, for the very first time, this is a democratically elected single party state. And sure enough, that's not too far off. So the question is, what in the world has been going on in self in El Salvador that you and I haven't maybe been paying attention to? And now all of a sudden it's trickling into our news. Well, this is his second term. He has been in office. And over the last year, uh, it has taken a year. He has done what has been desperately needed in El Salvador for a long time. Now, it, you know, El Salvador is one of those third world countries 
that you see about in, in TV dramas and, and movie dramas. It, is, it has essentially been run by gangs, street violence, by thugs, by drug runners, by trafficking rings, by everything. They have ruled. The underworld of El Salvador has not only ruled over that country and made it a, a place that good and decent people have, have been fleeing for a long time. A lot of them trying to travel up the, you know, up through Central America to get here. But they have been exporting. This is a, let's remember, this is the originator of the MS-13 gang. It's an El Salvadorian uh, enterprise to begin with. And there's also, what is that, uh, Mara Salvatrucha, I believe. Uh, I believe there's also another gang, uh, two main gangs, I believe, in El Salvador. Barrio 18 is another rival gang there. They have ruled over this place. It has been one of those nations where if you go there, you're almost certainly in danger at all moments. In fact, some neighborhoods you walk in, you're cu- you, you will not walk back out. So what uh, what their president has succeeded in doing is a little heavy handed. But, it, you know, when you get to the point where it's needed, this is what it is. He has uh, raised literally the army and the law enforcement of that nation and has thrown in jail some 70,000 people. Now, you know, you'll you'll go and find some sob stories about how innocent people are caught up in this and, and this and that and the other and due process and heavy handedness. And you know what? There is definitely a case to be made for making sure that this kind of stuff uh, actually gets out there and actually, um, you know, gets gets taken care of. But he has cleaned up neighborhoods wholesale, thrown tens of thousands of gang members in jail, and has essentially single-handedly turned around the nation of El Salvador in the last year into one of the lowest crime rates in the Western Hemisphere. Now, this is just, and again, there's, a, there's so much more to talk about here, but just a, a short snippet. You look at some of our blue cities, some of the big, deep blue areas in America that are running amok. And what you see is lawlessness because the law is not enforced and because justice is not served. In a lot of these big cities in America, they don't even arrest the criminals, let alone if they do, they, they let them out of jail with little or no bond. They don't get sentences. They don't get any. It's just it's these these uh, Democratic, these left leaning D.A.'s. They're not democratic. Let's be abundantly clear about that. Let me amend my words. These these left-leaning DAs, these Soros-funded district attorneys, are literally stripping law and order out of American cities on purpose. Well, El Salvador is what you get when you do that long enough, what you get when you do that in mass. The underworld then rules. It can be cleaned up. If there is a will to do it, it can be cleaned up. That is what the El Salvadorian president has done, and that is why not only him, but his entire party has been sent back with, there's nothing else to call this, but a mandate. Mandate's not even a strong enough word with the incredible numbers that delivered them victory on Sunday. Absolutely incredible. This is definitely something to look at because, of course, now here comes the left. Here come the globalists. They don't like that someone who espouses traditional views has come in and actually cleaned up crime and actually proven that something like this can be done, that a society can, in fact, be put back together. This is definitely something. It's got Ilan Omar and tons of American leftists up in arms, and and you'll see a lot. So I'm going to drop a couple of links in there, but this is something to keep an eye on. And the shameless self-promotion part, go on over to phyllisschlafly.com, sign up for the uh, email, the wink email, go to proamericareport.com, 
sign up for Ed's Substack and go to the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles YouTube and find the Unauthorized Caucus program live streaming every Thursday. We had a big, long-form discussion about this very topic. Uh, go and find it. You won't be disappointed. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thank you to Ed for being a great host. Thank you to Mason, my co-producer, for helping me keep all the things on time in the background. And thank you to you for listening each and every day. We appreciate you, and we will see you back here tomorrow on the Pro-America Report. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.